guys, we are in a series, got two more weeks, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and I just want to just say that just right up front, you know, the Apostle Paul says in, in, the, in the gospel or in the book of Romans, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And I just want to say that as we talk about this, you know, I'm not watering this series down. I am not ashamed to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I think we need more of the Holy Spirit. I need more of the Holy Spirit. But, amen, amen. I just want to say that, you know, if you're here this morning, you know, you're probably from, you know, one of three different kind of backgrounds. You either came from a charismatic church or a Pentecostal church where, I mean, it was all Holy Spirit, or you might have come from a mainline denomination where the Holy Spirit wasn't spoken about too much in that church, or, you know, maybe you're just totally new to it. This is all just, you know, brand new to you. And I just want to just tell you, if that's you, if you're from that third group, you're going to be the easiest group to talk to this morning about the Holy Spirit. Because we, some of us have already made up our minds. We already think we already know all there is to know about the Holy Spirit. But I tell you what, if you're honest, if you're honest with yourself and honest with God this morning, I believe that we would all say that there's probably more to the Holy Spirit than we know. How many of you would agree to that? There's probably more to the Holy Spirit than we know right now, and I just want us to have an open mind as we talk about it this morning. So I'm talking about being, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a bunch of different names, but it's all saying the same thing. And I would just want to talk about the Holy Spirit in our lives this morning. So I want to just begin in John chapter 14, verse 16. And Jesus is saying to the disciples, and this is, you know, just right near the end of his ministry here on earth. We are down to the, you know, the last uh, a week or so of John's uh, or Jesus's ministry uh, by the time we get to John chapter 14. And he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away, but I, you know, I'm going to come back to you in the form of the Holy Spirit. When I come back, I'll lead you and guide you, bring all things to your remembrance. And then he says in John chapter 15, uh, in verse 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He says... Um, Apart from me, he says, if any man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I want to just tell you that I, I know that in my life, and I, I'm, I'm guessing that in your life, that we have tried to do things apart from Jesus. We tried to do things in our own flesh. I mean, the Bible is full of stories uh, about men and women tr that try to do things in their own flesh. And, you know, we just can't succeed at doing that. Uh, and, and Psalm, in Psalm 127, verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. And, and it's the same as true, that we, you know, unless Jesus is with us, unless we have the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're not going to accomplish a whole lot. You know, I mean, we can create programs, we can, you know, create all different kinds of ministries, but unless we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, most of that is going to fall flat. And so I, for one... And I don't know, if, you know, how many of you were here a couple of uh, weeks ago, maybe it was, uh, two weeks ago. I was able to share with you a dream that I had. 
And, uh, you know, that dream was just, it, it was just so full of God about the presence of God and the power of God in my life. And I felt like God was, was saying that, you know, that there is more of him. There's more of God that's available for each of us. And so as a result of that, we're starting this prayer and fasting starting this Wednesday night, uh, October, this will be October the 6th. But what I would like for you to do is to, on October the 5th, uh, the day before, 24 hours at like about 6 o'clock or 6.30 p.m. in the evening. Start, you have your evening meal, and then you'll begin to fast, and you'll fast that night and the next day, and then we'll come together here at 6.30 on Wednesday. We're going to do this for seven weeks. The reason behind that is that I felt like uh, because we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're in this series on the Holy Spirit, uh, you'll remember that that when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified on Passover, but we know that Pentecost comes 50 days after Passover. So Jesus was uh, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, and then he's resurrected on uh, that Sunday morning. And um, then the Bible says that he spent 40 days with the disciples, and then he was ascended, or he ascended into heaven. So that's 43 days right there. But before he ascended into heaven, he told the disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, the outpouring of the power of the Holy Spirit, which they did. So that was seven days of waiting. And as I begin to think about that, what was that like? What were they waiting for? I mean, you know, they didn't have a full understanding of what they were waiting for. They just were being obedient to the words of Jesus. You know, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait. So they went to Jerusalem and waited. And so during that time of waiting, uh, you know, I, I, I'm thinking in my mind, you know, what are they thinking? You know, I mean, they're, they are, they're obviously, they're praying and they're waiting and seeking the face of God, um, you know, but they did not know what this package was going to look like. And I, I mean, no disrespect in that when I say that, but they just didn't know what they were waiting for. They, I mean, you know, they had the words of Jesus, but they had no clue as to what this was going to look like when it shows up. But all of a sudden, on that seventh day, somewhere on that seventh day, the day of Pentecost arrives, the Holy Spirit begins to fall. It says there was an incredible wind. There were tongues of fire that rested upon the disciples. And just all of a sudden, you know, Peter, this guy that's running and hiding and denying Jesus, uh, two women, I might say, uh, not just to men, but he's denying that he knew Jesus to women that were there that night. And, uh, I mean, he's just like, you know, he's showing himself to be a wimp. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit shows up, and Peter is just out there just boldly saying, this Jesus whom you crucified, God has raised from the dead and made him Lord of all. He's boldly testifying that Jesus is Lord. Well, see, I believe that we all need that boldness in our life. And so we're going to come for seven weeks. You know, we're going to be in prayer throughout the week for seven days of fasting and seven hours of coming together and just waiting on the Lord. And I believe at the end of that, that uh, you're going to experience a greater uh, presence of God in your life, a greater power of God in your life. And we're going to just talk about the benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit today. So I invite you to come. If you're ready for a change, if you know, you, you know Christianity has become stale for you, well, let me just tell you that you know, it's probably because you've just been going through the motions. You know, how many people do we know that we've invited to come to church? 
and they've shown up in church and they accept Jesus as their Lord, and then all of a sudden, you know, you don't see them anymore. They've just kind of like, they've disappeared. And I want to just tell you that I believe that's because they never received the power, the real power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Now, I want to just talk about this again. You know, if we can just lay aside our preconceived ideas and notions about the Holy Spirit this morning, I want to just tell you that I believe that when Jesus comes into your life, yes, you receive the Holy Spirit at that moment. But I believe also, I deeply believe this because I know that it's happened to me and it's happened to many of you, that there is a second encounter, a second experience with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to find out a little bit about that today and, and some more next week. So uh, I want to read uh, in John chapter 20, and this is just a, a great example of what I just stated on the evening, this is Jesus has already been raised from the dead, and he's already appeared to the disciples, and they at this point are kind of making up their minds. They, you know, it's like, you know, they weren't really sure up to this time. You know, was he really the, the son of God, but all of a sudden the resurrection takes place, and they see Jesus, and, you know, the, he's, you know the, he, he says, I'm not a ghost, touch me, handle me, see that I'm not a ghost. And it says that, on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood uh, among them and said, Peace be with you. Their hearts were troubled. Uh, you know, they were afraid. They were afraid for, for their lives and, you know, wondering, you know, what they were seeing. Is this really Jesus or not? And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And he breathed that. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's good right there. That's good. But they go back to Jerusalem. Wait like Jesus commanded them to do. They go back and wait. And then all of a sudden, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on them in such an incredible, powerful way that they just can't explain it. It's just beyond them. I mean, it's just like they are new and different people. And that's what I want us to be. I th that's what I want my life to be like, new and different, full of power and the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So let's just look at some of the benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one, the power to overcome sin. Now notice this from Galatians chapter 5. He says, I say, uh, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives or live in your life that you will, won't be doing the things that your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us a desire that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intention. You know, let me just tell you, when you are full of the Holy Spirit and you're tempted and your mind starts thinking thoughts that you shouldn't think, and, and you start doing things or looking at things, or you start doing things that you know that you shouldn't do, when you are full of the Holy Spirit, you know what the Holy Spirit says in that moment? He says, no, don't do it. Run, don't do it. For your sake, don't go there. Don't think those thoughts. Don't stop. Don't go there. That's what the Holy Spirit does. 
He's fighting in you. He's, he brings out, he's, he's like fighting against this power of sin that's in your life that wants to cause you to go over the edge and, and sin and turn your back on God. And when you're full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit just shows up and says, no, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't think those thoughts. Stop for your sake. And then he reminds me, Ron, from, from when you were in your mother's womb, I called you. I had a plan and a purpose for your life. And the plan and the purpose I have for your life is greater than these thoughts that you have that are leading you away from me. Don't go there. But when I'm not full of the Holy Spirit, when I stop reading God's Word, when I stop fellowshipping, when I stop praying, when I'm out of fellowship, when I'm isolated from God, when I'm just like on cruise control, just kind of going through life, you know what? I don't hear that voice. I don't hear the Holy Spirit telling me to stop or to quit. And that's a dangerous place to be. So when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he helps us to overcome sin. You know, I just want to say that, you know, whether you're full of the Holy Spirit or not, you know, temptation comes to all of us. And when we're, when we're full of the Holy Spirit, when you're full of God's anointing and God's power, you know, that uh, uh, you're able to resist temptation in a greater way. And let me just encourage you, you know, don't be afraid of this. Don't be afraid. God is not going to give you anything that is harmful for you, and it's God's desire that we all be filled with His Holy Spirit. The second thing that happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the power to witness. In Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 8, it says, When they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you going to at this time to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times and the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the Holy Spirit... Uh, agrees with you. He's going to agree with you. The power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he agrees with you. He gives you this, you know, this kind of like fresh anointing. Uh, I, I, I love, and we're going to get to in just a moment, the Apostle Paul. But let me just tell you that all of you, all of us have a story to tell. Did you notice that, that James telling that story? I mean, that was, James, good story. Great story that you were able to tell. You know, that many times that we in our Christian walk we are telling stories about what God did, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. You know, our, our stories are old. They're not fresh. But when you are walking in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, you've got fresh stories. They're not, you know, 10 or 15 years old. They're 10 or 15 minutes old or just a few days old that God is using you to do something. He's causing you to be a witness. I love it. You know, uh, the, the great apostle Paul um, you know, of all the all of the men in the Bible, I mean, he just stands out. He just resonates as one of the top of the greatest men in the New Testament. And twice we see, once in Acts chapter 15, when he's addressing the crowd there at Jerusalem. Now, Jesus just got through saying that I'm going to make you witnesses 
in, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. What does that mean? What does that look like? I mean, does that mean that you got to go to seminary and spend, you know, three, four, five, six years to learn the Bible? I mean, the Bible says that as soon as Paul was converted, he went out and began to tell his story. Now, your story is not how much of the Bible that you know, but your story is what God has done in your life, how you got from there being dead and opposed and an enemy of God, separated from God and his promises, to being one that's full of life, uh, saved, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. How did you get from there to there? Let's look at Paul's testimony because twice he does this in the book of, book of Acts and he starts out the same way. He tells his story and he says, uh, this is um, Paul in Acts chapter 26 and uh, he's uh, speaking to, uh, I think, King Agrippa at this place. Uh, he says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So he starts out talking about what his life used to be like before he came to know Jesus. He says, uh, I, I, I thought I, it was that I was supposed to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus, and that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the saints in prison, and when they were put to death, now think about this, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to the other to have them punished. I tried to force them into bl to blaspheme, uh, in my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. And about noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goad. A goad was a sharp kind of instrument, a stick a prod that was used as a prod to get an ox to go. You just poke him in the side. And God's saying, Paul, it's hard for you to kick against that goad. And then I ask, Lord, who are you? I am Jesus, whom you, you are persecuting. And the Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and the Gentiles. Now listen to this. I love this. I am sending you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those that are sanctified by faith in me. You know, I mean, we read Paul's letters. I mean, he talks about the man of sin. He talks about the Antichrist. He talks about last days. He talks about the end of the world, what all of that's going to be looking like. But every time that he is giving given an opportunity to testify, he starts out simply by telling his story. My story was that I used to be opposed to the church, I hated Christians, and then all of a sudden Jesus came to me and changed my heart and changed my life and, and put me on a different course. And those of you that are here this morning, some of you have got a testimony that I used to be this, a drug addict or a drunk or an alcoholic. I used to be in bondage to pornography. 
I used to be a sex slave, or I used to be this or that, and Jesus showed up in my life and changed me. And, and that's our testimony. That's your testimony. You don't have to know all of the Word of God, and that's the way that Paul starts out. Every time he's given the opportunity to share Jesus, he starts at the beginning of what he used to be like and what he's like now and how he got there. Praise to the glory of God. Amen? All right. The third thing that, uh, the third benefit of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that there is a power to pray. Um, in Romans chapter 8, 26, it says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows the heart knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Now, many times you and I will come to God. We've got a list of things that we want to pray for. God, I need this. I need this. I need this. I need all of these things, Lord. Here's my laundry list of things that I need and things that I want you to do. But Paul is saying right here that sometimes, you know, there, there are needs that we have that we don't even know that we have and that the Holy Spirit expresses those with groanings and utterances that can't even be understood with the human mind. But he says that God understands what those prayers are and what you're asking. And, uh, you know, I, I know that I've been there. I believe that you've been there. You know, you just, uh, you know, you're, you're so, you know, longing for God to do something that you're without words. And it may be, you know, just, oh, oh, God, God. You know, have you ever been there that, you know, just like, you know, as much as you can grapple with this, that, you know, the words aren't coming. And it's just like, oh, God, God, I need you, God. Oh, God, God. And that's what Paul is talking about here. It's like we don't even know what to pray for. We just know that the spirit within us is groaning and, you know, and God is listening. So the third benefit is to... Uh, pray the power to pray the fourth benefit of being filled with the holy spirit is that the power of gifts the bible talks about spiritual gifts now listen to this from first corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 it says a spiritual gift is given to each of us wait a second to each of us does that exclude anyone is anyone excluded when it says a spiritual gift is given to each of us does it exclude anyone no it doesn't so what he's saying is God's saying that when you come to Jesus, that he is giving you a spiritual gift. And, you know, maybe one, maybe two, maybe three. Um, and go on, let's go on and read. It says, to one person the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. To someone else the Spirit gives the gifts of healing. He gives one gift or gives one person the power to perform miracles, another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, let me just say this, guys, that how rude would it be for you or I to say, God, I want Jesus, I want you, 
I'm not interested in the Holy Spirit, and I'm not interested in having any gifts. Would that be rude? Yes, it would be. Yes, it would be. And it would be wrong. We cannot tell God, you know, that we don't want, you know, his Holy Spirit, and we don't want his gifts. Now, the Scripture goes on to say that he gives these gifts for the building up and the edifying of the body of Christ. So what that means is if God has given you a gift and you're not using that gift, you are robbing yourself and you're robbing the body of Christ of that gift that God has planted in you. And that's wrong to do. And I, I, I just tell you that I, I've done that. I've done that. I've done that myself. And I just believe that if you've done it, you know, we're going to have a moment where we can repent and just ask God to forgive us for doing that. That, you know, we can't dictate. We can't dictate. It's like, you know, all of us would say that, you know, we want to be a New Testament church. You know, we want to be a church like the church in the book of Acts. I mean, I, I talk to Christians, they're always saying that. But I don't want to, I don't want to make a fool out of myself with the spiritual gifts. I don't want to stand up and start speaking in tongues, or I don't want to stand up and, and prophesy and maybe give a word to somebody that might be wrong. I don't want to make a, a fool out of myself. I don't want to be weird. I don't want the Holy Spirit to, you know, make me do something weird. Let me just tell you that God is a gentleman, and the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and He will not do anything in your life that's going to embarrass you. And he won't force his way into your life. You know, we love, Nina and I, we, we have people over all the time, friends and family, and we love having people come over. I don't like it when somebody just kind of shows up and goes in the refrigerator and, and uh, says, I'm going to spend the night tonight. None of us like that. You know, we want to invite. God's the same way. He wants to be invited into your life and, and for you to ask him to display all of his signs and all of his wonders in your life. I believe that if we do that, we'll see a greater move of God in our lives and in the church. The fifth benefit of the, being filled with the Holy Spirit is that there is a, a power to preach. Um, Paul said that our gospel did not come to you with merely, with, to you merely in word, but in power and in the Holy Spirit with deep conviction. And then once again, he says in Acts chapter 9, he says, at once, speaking about Paul, this is right after his salvation, he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. And all of those that heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living at Damascus by proving that Jesus is Christ. He immediately began to preach, and it says all of those that heard him were astonished. They were amazed at what he was saying and what he was doing. You know, I, I just want to say that, you know, that when the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's like you have, you know, it, it's, it's not you. It's not you. It's not your gift or your talent. It's God's presence in your life. And there's this burning passion that you just can't put out. You know, uh, i got to tell somebody. Uh, Don Francisco, many years ago, I don't know, many of you may or may not know him, but great, great musician. But he's telling the story, uh, I think, about the, the healing of, it might have been of Jairus' daughter, 
And uh, after, it's either that or one of the other stories where Jesus heals someone, or heals a child, and then he says, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody what happened. And in this song that Don Francisco uh, does, it's called, I Gotta Tell Somebody. And it's just like this amazing thing has happened in my life. And he says, I gotta tell somebody. I gotta tell somebody. I gotta tell somebody what Jesus has done for me. I gotta tell somebody. I gotta tell somebody. And I tell you what, guys, I, I want that fire and that passion in your life that when you walk out of this place today, you gotta tell somebody what Jesus has done to you. You know, you may not know the whole Bible, but you know what Jesus has done in your life. You know the power of God in your life, and you can testify to what Jesus has done for you. Amen? Tell somebody. All right, stand up. Let's see, we're going to have communion this morning. I forgot to say that. And next week, we're going to have baptism right in the morning service. So we're going to wrap up our series on, on, the, on, the, uh, on the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you want to get baptized, I think we have about a half a dozen so far that want to get baptized next week. I want to encourage you to uh, just bring a, a change of clothes and a towel. And, uh, you know, you can see me right after the service today, and I'll just talk to you a little bit about what baptism is and what it means. And, guys, I really want to encourage you that if you need something broken in your life, if you feel that you're not all that you could be, if you feel like you need a greater anointing and a greater power from God, if you feel like, you know, that there's a, there's a burden that you have for our city or our nation and you want to pray about that, I want to encourage you to, you know, begin this fast, this coming Tuesday night, come here uh, the follow, the Wednesday the next day, uh, 6.30 to 7.30. Every night we'll have communion. We'll break our fast with communion. Uh, there'll be a time where we just kind of wait in the presence of the Lord. About the first 10 or 15 minutes, we're just going to wait like the disciples did, waiting on the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to show up and, and come into our lives in a greater way. There'll be a time of prayer of whatever you want to pray for, whatever burdens that you have. Uh, there'll be a time where we just worship God together, and uh, then there'll be our communion time. So. Uh, I please, please, please come. You know, we've, I, I shared, and I'll share in a little bit more depth about the dream that I had about the anointing with oil and the sprinkling of water. God has given me some, just some other scripture revelation about that from Ezekiel chapter 36. I want you to read it. But there's a sprinkling of water uh, that brought forth uh, a greater power of the Holy Spirit uh, that took away a heart of stone and, and put in a heart of flesh. And God's saying, I'm going to put my spirit in you. going to give you just a greater measure of my spirit. So I, I'm just praying that you have a passion and a hunger and a thirst for that. Let's just go to the Lord for a moment. And uh, Paul is telling the church at Corinth about communion. He says to search yourself. We judge ourselves that we wouldn't be judged. That we don't want to eat or drink of the Lord's body and blood in an unworthy manner. That we would just take a moment and confess our sins. If you've sinned against God this week, something you've done in deed or, or thought, 
words you've said or thoughts you've had. God's word says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says in the psalmist that I will separate you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. He says, I will be merciful to your transgressions and your unrighteousness. Your sins and your iniquities I'll remember no more. He says he will take them all, not just a few, but all of them, and cast them into the depth of the sea. God, we're so grateful for the work of Jesus how he loved us. Your word says that he, speaking about Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. That day that he was hanging on the cross, God took all of my yesterday's sin and all of my today's sin and all of my tomorrow's sin and placed it on him. that we might be made the righteousness of God through Jesus. God, we are forever grateful because that is a work that we could have never done. We could have never achieved that, Lord. Thank you for loving us and caring for us and dying for us and opening a door so that we can come into your very presence there's someone here right now that's in our midst this morning and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior it's not hard it's not complicated you can just simply say Lord Jesus I know I've sinned against you and I've grieved you I've broken your laws but today I'm asking that you would forgive me that you would wash me in the blood of the Lamb that you would receive me into your kingdom, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I'd have a desire to live my life for you and not for my flesh anymore. I come into the kingdom today. Father, we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen.